Quick, come up with something funny to say. Hello? Yo. Fort. Oh, that's really cool. Somehow I think you're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, fail. Oh. Bad Philosophy, episode 44, recorded on September 6th, 2009. BYOBF. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy. <laughs> Upsetting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time since last year, uh, a little over a year ago. This time we've got a little bit of a new element on the show today. In addition to a great panel of guests, um, I'm going to introduce our first guest to the show, Beer. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Beer. It is BYOBF here on Bad Philosophy, and we have in the house, which I by the way... I just palmed. <laughs> just face palmed. The house we are in right now is Catherine. Beer is Chestnut. not a guest. Beer is a drink. Kevin, let me do the intro. You don't drink your guests. Kevin, shut the f up. Oh my god, I have never heard you curse before. The house we are we in, ladies been around and gentlemen. Him long enough. The house we are in, ladies now you and gentlemen. Have it on record. Is <laughs> Catherine Chestnuts. Uh, Catherine, go ahead and introduce yourself. Who are you and uh, what's your story? I'm Catherine, and I am now a grad student at Texas Tech. Um, in the double E departments, and I have no idea what these people are doing in my shed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. That's not true. You're sitting, her beer. Sitting to my right <laughs> is a uh, longtime BFer, actually longer than the show has been around, one of the original mm. bad philosophers himself, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Butlick. Doses. <laughs> no, it's, it's deuces, man. You oh. to, and you have to kind of do it to the Sorry, side. I'm not actually cool, I just I like to try. <laughs> okay. It's an approximation. Um, and sitting to my left off camera uh, is another longtime bad philosopher and another original bad philosopher, Josh Clemens. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right, man. We've got yeah. beer. Uh, how many have you had, though? <laughs> this is the first one. All right, yeah. Okay. Um, Same here. But, I mean, we're all lightweight, so this show's that goes better. kind of far. Yeah. <laughs> we do have, ladies and gentlemen, we have planters. Oh, sorry. Got to show the logo there. We have planters peanuts on the show. Uh, if they would like to sponsor us, that would be awesome. Because um, <laughs> then they'd show up again. Also, let's, let's go around. For, first of all, what are we drinking? Um, I have New Belgium Blue Paddle. Um, very good uh, Belgian-style beer. Not actually from Belgium, but uh, very tasty. Uh, Eric, what do you have? This is uh, something Catherine had. It's, uh, I don't know if you can see it there well, but it's wine, uh, war, oh, oh no, wash. Washer la It's German, it's ladies and gentlemen. Steiner. It's good. Steiner. It's beer, and it's good. Yeah, that's all. And you after that, oh, that's really, that's it. There is nothing after that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's. Uh, all right, and uh, Josh, what have you got over there? He has the same um, thing. Yeah, I have the same we are, thing. We okay. are okay. Beer We're going oh, to so gang up on you not only in beer like, taste but also philosophy. Yeah, I, have, so I don't really have a, a significant <laughs> job. <laughs> um, I have to uh, get. I have to mooch. We have to mooch. Okay. I have to mooch. Well, anyways, we are going to do some. Uh, oh wait, I forgot to introduce our last guest, Mister um, Cutting into the conversation himself, Kevin Saunders. How are you doing today, my friend? I was being polite and not actually interrupting anybody. <laughs> but no, uh, this evening I'm drinking. Pete's Wicked Strawberry Blonde, Ooh. a golden blonde lager with a natural strawberry flavor. Hmm. It's apparently a fruity beer, and I don't actually love it, but I bought a six-pack, and so I'm going to drink them. 
Very cool. Uh, Will Wheaton's going to be on the Big Bang Theory this year. Will Wheaton is going to be on the Big Bang Theory. Thumbs up for Slurpees. <laughs> what does Slurpees have Tweeted to do with just the Big moments Bang? ago. <laughs> okay. Uh, there Eric... would be no Slurpees if there wasn't a Big Bang. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so, like, the purpose of the Big Bang is Slurpees. Yes, we're back to like, all Like, of, all of reality is building and culminating to this one Slurpee yeah. manifestation. Yeah, the, the Slurpee is the greatest achievement that the universe so, could ever put together. So, basically, Slurpees are the essence of reality. Um, I wouldn't call it the ethic. Well, I mean, if it's the, 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 essence, the purpose, but... if it's, everything's been building up to it. Yeah. In the, in the order of intention, yes. What <laughs> else is there of value other than Slurpees? I don't know, Kevin. What do you think about that? What? Sorry. I'm so tired this <laughs> uh, Slurpees. Was the universe building towards Slurpees? God, I hope so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, the universe is made for suckers. Well, we actually do have uh, a topic here on bad philosophy, if you can believe that. Um, I, I'm a philosophy major. Uh, Eric was a philosophy major. I am. Josh is a philosophy minor, right? Major? Yeah. Major yeah, as well. So we have three philosophy majors in the room. I'm and one of the... <laughs> quiet down, gentlemen. And lady. <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the things we talk about a lot in philosophy is the notion of causality. Um, causality is, in a nutshell, um, what we like to think of more traditionally as like A causes B. So say I pick up a peanut, put it into my mouth, chew it, swallow it. My eating a peanut causes me to have energy. A causes B. Um, obviously you can have causal chains. So my eating a peanut causes me to have energy, which causes me to keep living and eat another peanut. <laughs> yep, sometimes the chains can be loops. So um, we better peanuts. get a sponsorship deal out of this. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I put a planter's peanut into my mouth. Mmm, mm. that's a damn good peanut. What's a peanut? Oh, sorry, yeah. Planters peanuts. A, that's a damn good now peanut. Now everybody takes a peanut. <laughs> <laughs> um, so causality. A causes B. Uh, peanuts cause living whatever. Um, a, you know, cue ball causes eight ball to go into pocket X, Y, Z. So we all think we have a pretty good notion of causality, right? I mean, how hard can it be? But some problems start happening. Um, how hard is it? I <laughs> know. How hard is it? <laughs> Uh, so let's let's just go around um, each person individually because I know we we've been talking over each other a lot. Um, Eric, what are what are just some like basic things that are essential to our notion of causality? Um, well, I think classically the uh, the way to start thinking about causalities uh, to think about um, things that have to happen, uh, which would be necessary things, things that were okay. just sort of like like like. Force. There's no other choice about it. There's no sort of options there. So they are necessarily caused. And then there's going to be uh, contingent causation. So that's going to be uh, one of the sort of like beginning things when you think about how, why, or what does it mean that things cause some things? They is they make that first division. Many uh, classically they make that division of well, there's in one sense where it's a, sort of a causation of just sort of like the raw force of being, like uh, one plus one is two is sort of that necessary causation um, 
Well, now, in now a you sense, used to, used but then now. there's also a causation where, like you described, where mm -hmm. I can choose whether to take the peanut or not. I can choose whether to get married or not, and have kids or not. And so there's a sense that uh, there's a contingent uh, uh, causation, uh, which is not forced. Okay. Um, and so that's so there's some necessary be, that's, things. Like that's going to be, I think, essential to understanding uh, causation is is. Is is it something that is choice or is it something a necessary that's... connection between right, A yeah, and B? What, okay, yeah. um, Josh, what about you? What do you think? I don't know. I just I I, I just really like uh, like Aristotle's categories and four causes. <laughs> and what what four causes would those be, Josh? Well, you have your efficient cause, which would be like A causes B, maybe in like a, um, I mean we usually see it in, in a material way, but it could be temporally or this this is efficient to cause that a, mm -hmm. a causes b and you have your material cause what the thing is so why are we alive oxygen that's uh, the matter that allows us to cause so, it. sort of a reason uh, but uh, that doesn't really I don't know, that's, not, that's not really a good way of explaining it i think i think the material cause is actually just an explanation of the matter of a thing it's, it's sort of like what it's made of yeah. it's <laughs> like the medium you know like like when you talk about like uh like a television show or something you know like you talk about the causation of like where it came from, but you didn't talk about a causation of like what turned the television on, or what yeah. was what was the light that you're actually seeing. Right, or something. right. It's like what the, what is um, the television made of? And right, exactly. The hand that did it. You know? Okay. And then you have your formal cause, which <laughs> that, that one's a little more difficult to, even than the material. Well, if you're to yeah, take the analogy cause, of the formal cause, I think it'd be more like the uh, kind of show, or like the, the sort of the abstract notion of. Right. Of, of TV broadcasting or something. It also has to do with okay. uh, the nature, essence, and function of a thing exactly. are all taken up into the formal cause. Mm. And then you have your final cause, which is the purpose of the thing. Oh, what what's Entertaining. The, the end of the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Slurpees, like what we were talking about earlier. Like the, yeah, so the, the, the universe's final cause was Slurpees. <laughs> slurpees, yeah. Television's yeah. final cause is to rot your brain. So yeah. <laughs> Sort of like the, you know, the characteristics. <laughs> now, I just, I just want to take a moment here and um, preface our further discussion by saying that we are all over the legal drinking age, all over 21. We are allowed to drink alcohol in the United States of America. If you are under 21, do so at your own risk. We do not endorse underage drinking. Or don't. Stay Especially in school. Especially while talking about philosophy. Especially while talking about philosophy, because that's which, particularly dangerous. Notice, we are not in an automobile right now. We are not drinking and driving. That's also something we don't endorse on the show. Um, we want to see you... I do have a math joke. Is it okay? Oh, okay. Math, a math joke. Kevin, proceed. Um, do it on, over here. Okay. There, was, there was a famous mathematician. Uh, he was a geometrist. He was um, working on some very difficult proofs late at night one night uh, after tying one on. And all that, all that happened was they, they, well, they don't really know what happened, but they found him the next morning and he had what looked like a series of compass wounds in his body. Um, it was a locked door. There was, there was no other possible explanation than he, he fell into a box full of compasses in his, his drunken stupor, if you will. <laughs> and the moral of the story is don't drink and derive. Oh, don't drink, uh, don't drink and derive, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> 
That's, that's, that's a problem for me. I think I actually do that a lot. <laughs> you do drink and derive. I, I might have to go to like classes or something. Oh and stand my up goodness. and say, I'm Eric Bielik. I also drink and I'm a mathematician. <laughs> um, so, so, Kevin, uh, you're the last one we haven't asked about this yet. What, what are your sort of like initial impressions of what, what's, what is absolutely <laughs> essential to our notion of causation? Essential to our notion of causation. Yeah. That's a lot of big words. It's a philosophy yeah. podcast, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. But as as the like only non-philosopher on the show this week, stuff happens. Stuff happens. That's what I got. Stuff happens. Stuff happens yeah. So I'm, pretty, I'm reasonably sure that stuff happens. It's actually kind of a big concept, right there. Actually, um, I mean, it's existentially at least, like, mm-hmm. like, like, well, how, no. how do we know that stuff happens? Well, I mean, that's 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 a major starting point to causality. Oh yeah, if yeah. Stuff doesn't happen then stuff can't cause something else to happen. Mm-hmm. I like where you're going sort of that direction. Like, what, what is necessary, w- without which we would have no causation. And I think one of, um, another element that hasn't been mentioned here yet is time. Um, the, fact that the, <clears throat> the fact that A precedes B temporally <laughs> in, in a causal uh, link. You know, A, causes, A, A occurs and then B occurs and they're causally linked. Um, Without a notion of time, everything happens at the same time. Uh, you know, A causes B, A and B occur together. Well, you know, A and B and C and D occur, and you know, everything that everything caused down the the line um, all happens at the same time. But without without any sort of temporal separation, you get a universe that's you know exists for an instant and then is gone. You know, everything causes everything else, and that's it. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean. It's interesting uh, drawing a little bit of physics. Time is a web. <laughs> um, I mean, traditionally, we all, I mean, and intuitively, you know, we do have this concept of linear time progressing, but uh, a lot of challenges have come to a linear notion of time. Yeah. Um, and so, what kind of, what does it mean, in terms of causality especially, uh, to say that time is not linear? Um, well, when you say nonlinear time, I mean, you, you don't mean that like time can loop back around in on that itself. Would, that would be and, one alternative, I guess, like circular. Yeah. Or but, you could be like C.S. Lewis and say that in addition to running forwards and backwards, time runs backwards and onwards. Backwards and onwards. Which means what? Left and right. <laughs> so, Left and so right. Like, time is two dimensions? Mm. Or three dimensions. Time is three dimensions. That's too much for me right now. What? I'm, I'm going to brainstorm. <laughs> how can time vary? In, how can time vary in three different ways? Dude, I'm not C.S. Lewis. Okay, well, <laughs> you need to get him on the show, I guess. Well, I, th- I think it's a legitimate question to bring up, though. Like, it, if so, if time is just like any other dimension. What would it look like if you had two-dimensional time? Could you have, you know, A causing B in one direction, and then A causing B prime in another direction? I don't know, but that's such a cool thought, isn't it? It just seems like you'd have multiple actual worlds. But what would be changing? I mean, like, dimensions are like like degrees of freedom. Well, see, I think it's it's interesting, a parallel to this, to go a little pop culture The uh, British sitcom Red Dwarf existed, and still does, assuming causality and, you know, non-linear time, or linear time. But uh, at one point in time, they actually encountered a planet whereby time was running backwards from their perspective, hmm. um, as were they running on it as well. So, you know, the first day of your life was the day you died, and you'd get up, read your obituary, you know, say things like that, 
have stuff to look forward to all your, through your life. Very Benjamin Button-esque in that sense. Yeah. But they came across things whereby, um, for example, they would get beaten up in a bar. They, they, they were in this bar and they'd get beaten up. Someone would hit them a lot and it would not be fun. And that would be because they had eaten this man's pies, which they hadn't done yet. <laughs> but after they got beaten up, they wanted to get revenge on him, so they ate his pies. Ooh. Which caused him, in his, his forward thinkingness, it ha- that had already happened for him, but not for them because they were still on a forward time track. That's an interesting idea. I mean, I mean, we don't really have any conception, I don't think, of how causality could work backwards. So, you know, I strike a match, which lights a fire. Um, was the, you know, in backwards causality, is the fire a cause of me striking the match? You know, how, is, how does that work exactly? Potentially. Um, potentially, yeah, but we don't, we don't have any way of conceptualizing that, I don't think. We, we conceive of causality as moving in one direction, um, well, namely no, the same direction that time and, is moving. Unless, unless you think of, um, I mean, that would be kind of a, an, a, the idea of an efficient cause. But if you, yeah. look, if you take final cause, you can have proximate ends, in which case backward causality is actually the way things happen in the order of intention. So, oh. so I intend to eat the nut. The planter's nuts. And I ate the nut in my intention before ever having actually taken the nut physically and put it in my mouth and eaten it. Hmm. So the efficient cause of my eating it is my hand picking it up putting it in my mouth. And temporally, I... I, you know, first take the nut, put it in my mouth, chew it, and eat it. But, that'd but be... in the order of intention, I have kind of a foreknowledge in that, mm-hmm. or yeah, not in that's... knowledge. Like, I look forward in my intention in the mind. The rational mind looks forward to what it's going to do, has it in its well, intention, that's, that's and then grabs it. That's kind of a it. prediction, though. I yeah. think in that case, you're still talking about a mental causation chain. Mm-hmm. You think, I want, I want, I desire to eat a nut in the future, and I know from my past experience that if I eat a nut, I'll be nourished. So, you know, if I do X, Y, and Z, then the nut will go in my mouth and nourish me. So that mental, that thought causes you to then reach out and actually do that which you predicted would happen. But, you know, what, what, if, um, what if what you think is a nut is actually uh, a chocolate shaped like mm. a nut? Well, then, you, you know, you put it in and it, it sort of nourishes your body, but it doesn't then do what you wins. predicted. What about the fact that when I was at the store and I was deciding to buy nuts or not, did that physical choice create his intention? Um, I mean, I yeah, mean, it would this, be a prerequisite it's too. Sort of causally I think, prior. I yeah. think this is this is all sort of like um, it's going to be difficult to characterize intentionality and uh, final cause when we can't even uh, when the the problem the actual or the typical problem with causality is having to struggle with the most simple causation where you see two events occur one than the other and you want to say okay the first one caused the second one yeah. but how can you say that i mean even if you see you you see a person like go of a ball and you see the ball drop and you see a person like go of a ball and you see a ball drop you see it as often as you want or however you want yeah how well, can you say <laughs> dropping the ball causes it to fall well see, I, here's and that that gets into the notion of you know what what is necessary to our notion of causation what when does correlation 
which mm -hmm. is you know just just two things happening together right. equal causation and when doesn't it exactly. um, and that's when you have to bring in sort of these ideas of, of necessity so you know if I hadn't dropped the ball then it wouldn't have fallen but even that, um, even that is an, is an, is an inductive inference is, I mean mm -hmm. you're still not you, you still have the problem and I think what you were saying is mm -hmm. uh, you know no matter how many times you watch it when do you make that that inductive leap and say this okay. is what has caused this it. is what happens mm -hmm. um, and if and, you were to rely on this necessary causations you would you would always have some sort of lacking in like how to introduce this uh, this actor that has the power to make contingent actions. It, well, um, and of I course, mean, like, it's like a contingent machine or something yeah. like that. Like, where, what is, what is that? Um, um, so, so uh, let, let me go ahead and respond to some some comments made in the chat room here. Um, Sean says, uh, "We as humans have the unique ability to conceptualize multiple futures, and in imagining those futures, they exist." Well, that that's a topic for a completely different show, I think, because the the whole idea of you know multiple worlds and uh, you know what, like it. whether well, it's like it. Yeah, okay, he, so let's, he's, let's he's talking. Go there. I mean, it's it's interesting because uh, like the way he says that that uh, um, all all things in sort of like mentality exist. And then the physical world is just one sort of manifestation of some particular. Well, it's like whatever track we decide to take, you know, right, sort yeah. of like water. They all exist in the mind, yeah. and then one actually exists. Going, in going back to going back to what you were saying. Sorry, someone outside has a very loud penis. <laughs> uh, he's compensating, in other words. <laughs> um, planner's nuts. No, okay. He stole uh, that joke from me, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yes, so, I did, Kevin, because you have so many good jokes. I'm a bastion of humor. You are a bastion of humor, Kevin. Hey, well, why don't you go ahead and weigh in on this multiple worlds thing? I, I know we talked about it a little bit on um, on the episode about Anathem, but uh, you know, how, how do you think it relates to the discussion yeah. of causality? Maybe maybe we need to explain it too, so everybody. Well, kind of as as Sean brings it up, um, the way he kind of described it with the the conceptualizing multiple futures and bringing them into existence. It almost seems a little quantum to me in that, okay, we can conceptualize multiple futures, but through our actions, they cease being a, the, the waveform of the future, being a lot of different things, and do one single thing that actually is what happens. Yeah. At least to our perceptive minds. Now, there's other things could have happened, but we don't perceive them, and so those aren't in a, a useful reality. You know, if I drop a ball and it flies upward, that would be a very unexpected reality for me to exist in. Um, and, and a further cause would probably be necessitated. necessitated. Hmm. What do you think of that, uh, and Josh? One thing I wanted to talk about a little bit earlier when you were talking about, you know, eating a peanut causes me to eat more peanuts. And the, the question before that that I like as a bit of a postmodernist is, well, what caused you to eat the peanuts? And then what caused that? And what caused that? And is there a single unifying cause that started everything else in the universe in motion hmm. and then what caused that hmm. if we're going to live in a causal universe that means there has to be a cause for every effect go for it what caused that i think Leibniz yeah. called it the first cause the unmoved mover one cause cause Aquinas proof of god the, the yep. first <laughs> cause uh, which is weird. I mean, <laughs> some something that causes, way, but yes. wasn't so itself caused, caused by anything. You know. Ooh. Okay. I got I got to ring, ring in here. Okay. okay. Well, does that okay. does that destroy a causal universe? Mm, I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Well, 
thinking along the lines of this order of intention aspect and this mental causation now. Uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, Stephen, about um, yes, I might intend to eat the nut, but then I realize that it's actually something else, like yeah. say a raisin or it's something chocolate or something like that. So what I intended doesn't actually happen. The poison. The, the uh, yeah, sign that. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, crap. Yeah. But, uh, oh. So, We're drinking but, poison, by but, the way. Well, not necessarily. Okay. Don't forget, these came from monasteries, okay? It depends on how much you take in quantity at one time. But going back, yeah. um, the, the idea of, let's say I have multiple possibilities in my imagination. My intention and my voluntary actions may have some effect on the actualization of one of those possibilities. However, it is still contingent upon other factors. For example, mm. the, the certitude of my knowledge. So I, I had every intention of taking the possibility of eating a peanut, and when I tried to do it, it was contingent on my own knowledge, which was faltered. And I ate a raisin or cyanide or beer or whatever, like frozen I beer. I ate a beer. Uh, I mean, you have to freeze it. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, there's there's an aspect of freezing the, beer changes its. There, there's a there's a there's a contingency, uh, and a limit to my own will. However, if you have an uncaused cause, that's a mental thing, mm -hmm. that has an unlimited and absolute will, you don't have that problem. And you can actually have, in some way, an, a necessary causality coming from a will. Yeah. And that would be something that, that you would have to have if you're going to have an, a non-physical, uncausally closed, mental causation that mm -hmm. caused everything else. Which, and, which is necessary for free will. I mean, for free will, you sort of have to be the origin of a given causal chain. Like you, for, for instance, like, does you know, my hunger cause me to think... I'm going to get a peanut. Um, if if there's free will, I sort of you know just choose to eat a peanut you know out of out of nothing you know or I, I choose to walk off a bridge or I choose to to say a certain word. But if if there's no free will, like if everything in the universe is caused, including our thoughts, then you know I would have to take into account what caused me to think something and then there's no free will so that's there's sort of mm. there's sort of a fundamental difference there but josh okay. before we go too far i i want to make i want to uh, pull out something that you said which is uh other conditions necessary for a given cause to come about um a guy named uh, jl Mackey, who we actually are reading in my causality class right now um developed this conception of what's what he calls it an inus condition that's um I-N-U-S, which stands for, <laughs> I know it's kind of funny, <laughs> but <laughs> bear with me. Sounds bear like with me. Sorry, Josh, Josh is about to... I'm going to start calling people Inuses. You're an Inus. They're going to be so offended. No, no, I'm not. I don't even know what that is, but it doesn't sound it's, good. It's an Inus. You're suffering okay. from an Inus condition, sir. You're an Inus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Look okay. My bad. Um, can we please stay on topic? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Important input here. It was not my fault. You're not letting me get there. All right. All right. Do do your input, and then I'll talk about. Because <laughs> he's not recovering really quick. <laughs> All right, Catherine. What is your comment, and then I will explain what an inus condition <laughs> is. You do a derogatory term. Shut up. Shut no, up. I'm, I'm not going to put my input in. Okay. I, bet, yeah, I bet you'd have something really interesting to say in terms of causality since you have a lot of like physics training, right? As, yes, that's exactly right. Um, 
What? What? I, I'm actually really interested in what perspective you'd have. Okay. So, would you like? What are you doing? You never know what Steven's doing. I'm trying to figure out Josh's... He's recording See, it. Josh doesn't know sign language, but he wants food. <laughs> this is a problem. It's an issue of causation. Uh-huh. Very very much so. Anyways, so Catherine, go, go ahead. Okay, would you like to hear the perspective of this topic according to quantum mechanics? Yes. Sure. Definitely. Uh, yeah, of course I do. Come um, on, bring it up. Is, is this according to the uh, the popular Copenhagen interpretation of quantum yes, mechanics? Yes, it's exactly okay. right. Oh, I've been waiting for this for the, like a year. Here we go. Copenhagen, <laughs> the Copenhagen interpretation is when you're talking about particles like electrons and... Um, Sorry, I was... Who's making the sign for electron? <laughs> this, was, this was the Eric sign for electron. Yep. It's it's a hand, but it wiggles. I don't know. Okay, That's... and when I whenever <laughs> I talk about electrons, I like to talk about Leon. He is the perfect electron. Leon is the perfect electron? <laughs> yes. Cool. Steven knows. What I know about cool. Leon the electron. Leon and I go, like, way back. Yeah, way back. so wow. he's just an example. He's an electron. So you yeah. got Leon. He's going somewhere. He's not an Inus, is he? No, he's not an Inus. Okay, just making sure. Well, wait, cool he could be. He could be an Inus. Okay. And then I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute here. But go yeah. ahead, Catherine. So he, we got Leon, and he's, you know, he's traveling at unimaginable speeds, and he's always in a state of shock. <laughs> <laughs> Continually. Um, but say... There's, there's uh, a number of jokes there. I just want to say this. What? So he doesn't know where he is, right? He's just, he's going, he's traveling at an unimaginable speed, and... One of us comes along and with our little instrument and we say, we want to find out where Leon is. And we do this. Hi, Leon. Hi, Leon. Hi, Leon. Yes. Hi, Leon. Where are you? We're trying to find where he Doses. is. And, um, and so we have this little instrument. Thank you, Stephen. We have this little instrument that measures Leon. And we all of a sudden we, we find it. Okay, there he is. He's right there. Okay. Thank you, Steven. Steven is gesturing for you. So so we find out where Leon is. Okay. Amplification. And we don't know where he was at the moment before we measured him because we have no idea. Okay? And the cope Okay, I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so so, making that more particular question. um, The Copenhagen interpretation is when we believe that the the very act of measuring where Leon is gives him a position. Right. So it's our intervention in measuring him that causes him to have a position, which means that we can't we can't possibly know where he is or where he was. It's okay. our intervention is changing this. So, so so how does this relate to causation is what I'm, I'm mainly curious about. Well, so our observation causes something at the quantum level to happen. Like, our observation like causes say, the observation. It's just sort of that, um, almost circular yeah. causation. You're, you're picking up a peanut, and you didn't think about it. I'm picking up a peanut. <laughs> <laughs> so according to quantum mechanics, until the moment comes when you actually think about the fact that you're doing it, and there's a, there's a knowledge of that you're doing it, then... It's not being done. It's not real. It's so not I, could e- I could either... Does it have to be a conscious knowledge, or is it the so unconscious like, or subconscious knowledge work as well? Well, no, no. Because it, my body is going to respond to the fact that I've picked up something. Epistemologically, there, there there's no such thing. Kevin, Kevin, no. Epistemologically, there's no such thing as unconscious knowledge. 
You either you either consciously have knowledge or you don't. Why not? Why is there no such thing? We're talking philosophy. There's always have. There's epistemologically doesn't mean anything. Is is yes, it does. It means theory of knowledge. <laughs> epistemology um, is a very but, philosophical. But why term. is unconscious thought a contradiction? <laughs> Many people believe in that. Well, unconscious thought, yes, but unconscious knowledge. Yeah, why is unconscious is knowledge? Because here's the thing. What is unconscious knowledge? Knowledge that you're unconscious of. Give me an example. Um, Give me an example of something you know that you're not conscious of. Well, Freud would we, love this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might claim that you, you might find some discovery um, uh, that sort of like reinterprets things that you know and it's sort of like, oh, wow. I mean, it was obvious, but I never sort of like put it in words. Yeah, you never knew it. Uh, but, but in a sense, Wouldn't I it knew it all along. Knowledge? Uh, in a sense that it was, it was there all along and I had this very close acquaintance to it. I had this very intimate relationship to it. I used the knowledge. It had this intuitive sort of like, I, I don't know, but I know by my gut I have, or I something. I have a good example to help you out there. Yeah, go a good ahead, example. Kevin. Okay. Um, we're in 1920s schoolhouse. I'm a teacher in 1920s schoolhouse. And a student has placed a thumbtack on my stool because I've not been a very nice teacher and they want to get back at me. I understand. However, uh, when I sit down on the stool, I get up and I respond to that before consciously knowing what I've done. I will then say, oh, there's a thumbtack on my chair and that has caused me to respond in such a manner. But I responded before consciously acknowledging that. Like that's reflexes, an unconscious so knowledge. Yeah. Reflexes, that sort of stuff. Okay, but that's but not... It's, it's, I'm responding without knowledge. Yeah, that's that's reflex. That's instinct. That's not knowledge. But, but it is a knowledge. I mean, you that know, you, you that, know that you're in pain. You know that someone... <laughs> okay, it's a right. fictitious story. Well, but what about what about knowledge? I mean, does memory count for anything that you know? Yes. Well, okay. I, I what about it. memory that you're having trouble consciously uh, accessing? Accessing. Oh. In which case, you say, "I knew that." Okay. Okay. After you messed up on the test. Before we get too far off the topic of causation. Dude, um, it's bad philosophy. <laughs> what, what? What is? Maybe maybe we can uh, we no tie it in. What is the relationship of epistemology or ha- a knowledge of things in relationship to causation? Well, obviously, we have to have knowledge of the past in order to identify causes. Okay. So we have to we have to know that A occurred before B. I mean, if if we were living completely in the now, we would just be like, oh, look at all this. Shit. This is awesome. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's completely right-brained life. Right? Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Oh, that's, yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. But is there causation uh, other than causation through time? But before we go answer that, what what's right and left brain again? Uh, right brain is going to be context, going to be lot. image, right going to be free like one, one person. I, I no, watched, no, no, one person I at a time. I watched a documentary on this last night. Okay. I took a class on it last semester. I'm taking. A class oh, right now. I think I, Eric has you beat. Eric, actually, my last lecture in cognition was about this. <laughs> so, okay. but, oh, Josh should be the one. I, I just don't think it's I on just topic. Get the beer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I refuse. We're going back to what we were talking about. Well, go ahead, back to causation. I well, okay. Um, <laughs> is it necessary for causation to be a process through time? Um, Hold on. There... B- before we go down there, I just have to read this one comment from Kess Mill in the chat room. Uh, let's not start in on known unknowns, unknown knowns, and unknown unknowns. Thank you. I agree, Kess Mill. I agree. Thank you. Let's, Thank you. Let's just, that is such a long and 
Oh my gosh. I, this yeah, conversation. thumbs up for Slurpees, man. You, you get a thumbs up for Slurpees for <laughs> whoever, that. Whoever's two, near to that guy, give him a Slurpee. Two thumbs up for Slurpees. Hey, thumbs up for two Slurpees? I don't know how to is it, Okay, is, I have a question about this Heisenberg thing. Yeah. So there's, there's a, I mean, it seems like I've heard people talk about how there was kind of an, like our epistemology has to do with some sort of metaphysical causation. Like because we know and we measured it, Therefore, we've caused something to to have a location. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. But it seems that it's almost more of the method that the very nature of trying to take the measurement. Right. That's what I I asked my physics professor that I asked Dr. Gibson that. Yeah. Like my first year of physics, I said, well, okay, what if you had an instrument? Like basically, what if you were God and you could see the electrons? <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, on like, yeah. like if you could. If you didn't have to use a me- uh, an instrument to measure it, then could you see where it was? And he said, the fundamental, the fundamental property of quantum mechanics is that no, like, like basically, even God can't tell where it is because of the uncertainty principle. One right. of the biggest problems I have with the Copenhagen like, and interpretation. If, if there is a God, then he set it up that way. Whoa. What? Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I really wait, wait, like wait. this because that means that the subject of object is. Distinction, like yeah. the observer has an has an effect on the observation. Like what nature tells you depends somewhat on that question. But that you're seems asking. a bit like circular causation. I know you it, observe and it, and it is it, the observation is the observation in virtue of being observed, and that's all there is. Like there's no peanut until I grab a peanut. I mean, until I eat a peanut, there's no peanut to be eaten. No, like, like like that's nonsense. That's uh, okay. <laughs> it's, I the problem I have with the, the with the Copenhagen interpretation is it the same problem that Einstein himself had with it, which <laughs> yeah. is that it basically posits that there are variables in the universe that we have no access to, that not even God has access to, right. and it seems sort of like a logical paradox. Is that part of Copenhagen interpretation? The no, it's variables? not. Oh. Well, okay, but they they brought up that it. They brought up hidden variables as a way to explain it. Uh, I, um, I thought that was different than the Copenhagen. Well, it's kind of the sort same of. thing. You're just sort of presupposing. You're presupposing that there's knowledge. Mm. There's knowledge about the world that not even God has access to, which is sort of like the you know, is there a rock so big that not even God could lift it? Problem. Yeah, well, no, nonsense. there's not because God can't do the logically impossible. God is omnipotent, which means God can do everything. So there's not a rock that not even he can lift, which means that he wouldn't be able to do something, etc. I mean, that syllogistic turn of hat is different than this quantum mechanics sort of like That modeling. doesn't apply to free will, if God has free will. Or, well, or, 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 or the, the extent of omniscience. I mean, you're talking about... He not to lift the rock. No, let's leave the rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, leave, leave the rock where it is. That's, that's <laughs> next philosophy. That. Um, philosophy. <laughs> um, well, okay, so, so the chat room is going in a completely different direction which, with this, which is uh, idealism. So uh, Sean in here Ooh. says, um, <laughs> to live in this world, we have to construct, we have to construct reality I don't even like that term. In a way that allows our minds to comprehend it. Therefore, causality must precede effect. So, you know, certain things must be true in order for us to con- to conceive reality. Um, you, you don't like you don't like that language. The the the, the, I, the sense that like we have a relationship with reality, and the only way we can really interact with it is to sort of structure what we experience. Well, it it assumes idealism. I mean, it, it assumes that we have the sort of this this teleological control over 
over well, the from over a reality. Personal which perspective, I, we do sort of have an idealistic uh, outlook in life. I mean, we don't know things until uh, we we only have the Descartes theater, and and, uh, and we inductively assume there's something out there to. To, oh, to interact so, with. so you're oh, a complete no, no. internalist. <laughs> uh, no, no, he's just he's just posing it to be devil's advocate. Oh, okay. Thing to bring up though, how do you know anything outside of your own particular interpretation? Kevin, do you know don't go skeptic on us, man. If, if, if we get if we get stuck in brain in the back. Kevin, just to let you know, I'm a figment of your imagination. You're actually not talking to anybody right now. That's okay. I can't. I can't see you, so you're not real. <laughs> <laughs> now you're an empiricist. Um, what did you think it's this? No, okay. Um, okay. No. Uh, well, no but I'm, I'm a postmodernist, so I just ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> no answers. That's awesome. Before Before I go too far into idealism, I mean, let's just let's just state out like two polar extremes: idealism, an extreme idealism, and an extreme materialism. Okay. Mm -hmm. And with the idea of causation, since we talked about it in cause cause. We'd essentially say with materialism, everything, including what's rational, like in like ourselves, the mm -hmm. mental, has been caused by the material. And in idealism, you say essentially that even the matter is caused in some sense by an idea, or even the matter itself is an idea. And so and, and in which case thinking and knowing is a rethinking of the original thought. Yeah. So so I mean it's kind of an assumption, actually. Like, whenever we were talking about the um, Heisenberg and, 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 and everything, uh, Copenhagen interpretation, um, we were talking about a knowledge that exists that would be something more idealistic. Uh, yeah, it's again, it's the distinction between externalism and internalism. Um, and really, there's not any way to distinguish between the two. That's, that's the problem with skepticism. Um, you know, once you start doubting that there's anything outside of your mind, you shouldn't be able to keep living because then you're like, well, you know, I, I <laughs> this oxygen I'm imagining might not be real. You know, this food I'm eating, these yeah. these wonderful planters planters peanuts that I'm eating <laughs> might not actually be nourishing my body. It no more Slurpees for you. You have you have to assume externalism well, in order to live. There's the argument that even if you don't have to assume anything, but you can get by not assuming anything. You don't have to know it for sure. But what seems to be working seems to be working. Whether well, or not I acknowledge it is actually in which case, in, in, in which I don't appear to myself. I don't appear to be dead, so I must not be. Um, I, I appear to be drinking beer, and that appears to be enjoyable to me. Uh, I don't know it for sure, but I get by. I, I occasionally feel something in my stomach that causes me to want to eat these things that I call food. They may not be food. They may be slowly killing me, but it gets me on to the next day. Or at least I think it does. Well, okay. That, that's okay, but that, that's that's pragmatic. You, you don't have to be certain to get by. You, you, you still, you still make an is, assumption. But you don't so have to be certain. Well, okay. No, I'm not saying you have to be certain. Sometimes assumptions will kill me. I, I know. You, here, here's the thing. Stop it. I, you don't have to be certain, but you do kind of unconsciously assume that you do know these things, that you know that you have a stomach, that you know that, that food is going to nourish you in order to get by. I mean, like, like Josh and the said. Value, and the value of getting by, you assume a, a, pragmatic, like a pragmatic right uh, justification for your behavior. Um, which, which means that you, know, you can't maintain skepticism 
and still go on living. Because if you're a complete skeptic, you would just stop and do nothing. Well, kind of. In, in <laughs> which case, you'd still be choosing to stop. To stop and do nothing. In which case, you've still assumed a value but, yeah, in I mean, stopping. There's, there's <laughs> so, all sorts of structure yeah. floating around, like value and mm. recognition. It's the same thing. Stuff, it, I mean. it would be the same thing as denying like the law of non-contradiction. It's, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, based on a syllogism, I mean, like, just, it just you, doesn't work. Like, <laughs> if you get down to that level, you just like can't even talk to the person because the, no. what they've abandoned so much it, like undermines the language to with which to have uh, intelligent conversation. Exactly. So, like, you you have to at least presuppose enough to support two people having a conversation like this. Otherwise, well, okay. You're, so you're so you put the baseline there. I. You know, Descartes put the baseline at I think, therefore I am, and then he derived all this other stuff. But well, that, he started there, and then he had this warm, fuzzy light that gave him magical stuff. Somehow, I mean, I really think that Rene Descartes was the most self-centered man in the world. <laughs> from, from the epistemic <laughs> Okay. But ethically? Possibly. <laughs> epically. The most possible. epically self-centered man in the Sorry. world. Because here's what he did. He he basically started with the started with the knowledge that he he himself existed. And then went and used this argument that I don't well think he existed. You don't think Descartes <laughs> existed? Descartes didn't actually exist. You don't have to. You just have I'm to redo sure his Kijito and yeah. um, Huzzah. <laughs> You can start uh, with you yourself exist. You can redo Descartes and be totally selfish and from yeah. your total inward selfish I am king of the world perspective, found all of science as we know it. Yeah. That's because that's essentially what he did. He's like, Well, I exist, therefore God exists, therefore everything exists. <laughs> I'm such a great person. You know, and uh Oh. It was a lot easier back in the day. It was. Because <laughs> yeah. everyone was stupid. Like, like everyone read that first line and going, what is this guy talking about? Well, oh. Everyone was not stupid, they were just illiterate. Illiterate, yeah, exactly. That's, that's nobody a, could read Descartes, so nobody knew that he was an idiot and full hey, of hey, shit. Hey, so. hey, 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 he wasn't an hey, idiot, though. Hey. I mean, he was a thousand. Is there a horse behind Descartes? I still can't read Descartes. <laughs> Don't put, don't put the cart before the horse, all right? I know, it's old, it's really crappy, I said it. It's a good pun, but it needs, but, more, it needs more of a setup. I know. Get a good I know. setup with I it. Know. We did a pretty good setup for you right there. Great. That was... That's, that's all right. I mean, I, I feel my organs what is, what is, revolting from that terrible pun. Um, okay. you got to bring in the horse earlier. Yeah, exactly. You have to bring in the horse earlier. So, Sean in the chat room, I'm going to go back to the chat room here says, uh, I don't mean that we can control the universe. I think to some extent we as humans construct a filter to reality that allows us to function in spite of seeming contradictions. Sean, you're making a psychological um, no, observation. No, this is, this is similar mean, to, to my answer uh, in uh, religion of philosophy, that like the, the way we, like the, the most... You mean co- philosophy of religion, Philosophy right? of religion, okay. sorry. <laughs> that that, that oh, to make this... Another, slip, baby. What did I say? You said religion of philosophy. Freudian's that's left. not that's not sexual at all. No, I'm trying. I'm, I, mean, I didn't mean sexual. I meant Freudian's aren't inherently sexual. Oh, that's true. It's just you know confusing two things in your mind. I'm I'm celestic sick. Catherine, that I might think be we need more you. beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, sir. that I mean, it's the idea that in order to know, I mean, like. We have it's it's like a mo- it's a modern concept that like with the internet not not just with the internet but like in just basic life you have this overwhelming mass of information 
this sort of like huge like like bunch of little bits. I see this, 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 I see this. And you have to at some point come up with just like some simple idea that explains it all. You can't say, well, ball drop, ball drop, ball drop, but you instead say, well, when you drop a ball, it falls. And then and then that's what you know. And then in that way, you could you have this construction that sort of minimizes the information you have to know, and then thus therefore um, gives you this way of knowing the world Th that it makes that it's simpler to know things insofar as there's actually a, a chair that I'm sitting on yeah. than trying to keep in mind all the times that I have sat and didn't fall on this thing yeah. with all these perspectives. No, there's definitely heuristic thinking, like in cognitive. Like psychology, that's what they'll talk about is yeah. like they use heuristics because, like, shortcuts of thought mm -hmm. in order to, and, and uh, I mean, you can see it manifest in reading oftentimes that, yeah. that once you learn how to read, you skip paragraphs. Um, you, you can, you, you actually, like, I, I don't know, I don't know if you've ever got this email, but somebody basically takes this, this, this whole paragraph <laughs> yes. and takes all of all the set, all the, all the letters in the middle of words and yeah. garbles them up mm -hmm. and then yeah, puts the yeah. two at the end. Mm -hmm. So, you, so whenever you see them, you you have no problem whatsoever reading the paragraph. It's yeah. a strange phenomenon, but the reason why is because the mind actually does make these heuristic jumps, mm -hmm. and as you've learned it, yeah, like like so that you don't have to spell out every word. Mm -hmm. The the mind actually has made a method of saying every time I see the word tree, starts with a T, ends with an E, and has this many numbers. All right, this many letters. T17E. So, so it, it, it actually naturally assumes it. I mean, if you take a chance and look at it, but it takes time. And honestly, and for sure, there's a filter because if, if literally I was walking around and I comprehended everything that I know about this room at one time, that would really suck. It's like digital sampling. Or it would be really exactly. awesome. Yes, it would be really awesome. We're making psychological observations now. I mean, admittedly, this is getting into the realm of, of, of psychology and not philosophy anymore. Because, yeah, okay, we do X, Y, and Z. But why we do them is the question that philosophers ask. You know, what, why do that and not actually... Well, the, the, the philosophical stump is that this, this, this construct that you make is not just practical, but that it actually has, like, um, you know, a relationship to reality. That it has predictive power. That it yeah. that it has this explanation of how things actually are, insofar that it can describe the next thing you're going to see but and describe things forever onward, describe reality in its raw form. I, you know, um, you might say that, but here's the deal. I'm going to go with Hume here and say that induction has its limits. So you observe a thousand, you observe a ten thousand, hundred oh, thousand no. swans. Mm -hmm. All right, and they're all white. Hundred thousand swans. So you know you're you're going to say with pretty heavy certainty that the next swan you observe is probably going to be white, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously. Yeah. Well, guess what? There are black swans. Um, up until what what was it? The early 1900s, mm -hmm. they they thought that all swans were white, and that was a true statement. There were no swans of a different color. And then they went to Australia, and hell, there's a black swan sitting in a the lake there. And some guy's like, well, I guess we were wrong. Um, and induction can fail us, because we, hey, we hey, do like hey, to go. It's worked for me before. It'll but, work for me again. But, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a little meta joke there, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, meta induction. Um, meta induction. <laughs> induction about induction. No, I, I, think, I think literally induction. whoever's listening to this is witnessing the history of philosophy before their eyes. We started with yeah. metaphysics. We're in epistemology now. What are we going to go to next? Who knows? Um, <laughs> I, I think we should go to ethics. But it all but, comes no, down to, to trying to describe that. how things have relationships. I mean, that's yeah. the essence of causation is two things have some relationship. It's not that they're independent, but that they, in some, even though they're like different in time or different in space or different somehow, they in some way form they're connected. A, a unit. Yeah, they're yeah. one thing. And they have this, this, this connection there. And that's, I mean, that's essentially inductive uh, uh, construction. But, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to come up with a, a coherent inductive uh, Epistemology, uh, yeah, you know, an, an uh, inductive uh, conception. I mean, induction, like you said, heuristics. Our brain is wired to do induction and to trust induction in a lot of cases. But, but that's, I mean, that's, sense, that's actually inadequate. It's really, it's really interesting if, if you ever like look at like um, some of the theories on why the brain does some of these things, yeah. particularly in the in the area of perception, perceptual kind of inferences. Yeah, um, it's actually very mechanistic. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with kind of a an inductive, like cognition, it has to do more with um, certain receptors uh, being waxed and uh, to go, <laughs> so they're warmed up and they <laughs> they they move more readily than others. They're lubed up so, and ready to freak. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. Like I mean, it, it, they're it, it's it's really interesting. But but, but why trust? Apart that? from that, apart from that, yeah. But even that is kind of an inductive. I mean, like, we have mechanisms to trust pretty people over ugly people. Right. And like, what the hell does that have anything to do with anything? Right. So, um, other than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, I mean, yeah. like, like that, like, just because it's what we do, there's, there still seems like induction has some sort of. We we want to find some sort. It has a place, but it's more it than merit. just. Yeah. It's just what we do. I mean, like, mm-hmm. there's some sort of concept there that that you have, like, like. You take a whole bunch of things, and they're of a, a certain like group, and you're saying all these things are of this group, and then you can talk about the group inductively as all being one thing, and that's that's an inductive step. But really, sort of like formally saying that is an extremely difficult and mathematically uh, been uh, challenging issue, yeah. uh, and, mo- and and it seems in large part that people just sort of abandon it, like oh well, induction well, sucks. Oh, Who cares? Not in mathematics though, because mathematics is a special case. Um, mathematics in mathematics, induction is actually defined into acceptability. Like, um, well, once you I, have I forget a, the name of the rating. principle. But Are you talking about in circuits? No, not it, not electrical induction. induction I'm, I'm talking yeah, about on, like proof induction. It's a logical um, induction. Because the, the definition of a natural number is you know. Like, one exists. All right, well, one plus K exists. You know, you can add anything to one, and that number is going to exist. And mm. that, that's an axiom. I mean, nothing proves that in mathematics. So mathematical induction basically starts from the assumption that you, you can induce from a certain number of cases that the kth plus one case will be true. So as long as you're able to order any set then you're able to use induction. Even even uh, even non-ordered or partially ordered sets, you can still do that. As long as you can assign a one, the kth plus one set will exist. We well, I mean, still, even those unordered, you have to sort of find some property to put them yeah. in some sort of but ascension. But in reality, I mean, we can't we can't do that. We can't just assume that induction is true and then go from there. Um, it's it's an open question. We can 
I think, like like Josh says, at the most we can assume, well, it's worked for me in the past, so it'll work for me in the future. But it, again, that's kind of circular, you know, using induction to Prove justify induction. Yeah. induction oh, the so yeah, current that's, that's guess. Problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is so fascinating. That <laughs> concept, no, that concept is fascinating. That's what we do on this show. Yeah. We fascinate How, people. Why? How so? We fascinate people while eating planters peanuts, <laughs> the best peanuts in the universe. Except for, Except for that wasn't a peanut. That was a... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, causal. So if it, works, if it works in the past, it'll work in the future. Yeah. If it works in the past, it'll work in the future. Yeah, pretty much. Why, why do we that, think that? That is something that the ability of our minds to adapt and change is directly dependent on. Uh, well, it, it, it means it, it, our minds have adapted to make that a priority, which well, means for some but, reason... But, the principles of, uh, but that's the whole, the whole foundation of, of learning is what worked in the past does not necessarily work. No, right that's now. not the whole foundation of learning. I would, I would well, disagree okay, with that statement. Adaptation. No, I mean, think, think, of it, think of it like this. Think of it like this. Um, the idea of generalization. You take a single instance and you generalize to a, a, a basic concept, and then you deduce back down to be able to apply it yeah. to make prescriptions for future right. causation. That's why people have such <laughs> trouble with quantum mechanics, is because it completely erased everybody's uh, big generalization of everything. It, it erased determinism. We're actually getting to the end of our time here on Bad Philosophy, so Kevin, why don't you go ahead and give us a, a nice summary closing statement to wrap this all up, my friend. I drank beer, and it made me forget what was happening. That's causation. Ooh, I got one. I got one. Oh, okay. Josh has another one. The last time I heard induce as a verb, it was from a pregnant lady on a trampoline. Okay, I'm just going to leave that yeah, one right where it is. made that pun. <laughs> There's no follow-up to that. There's no follow-up to that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of our time here on Bad Philosophy. I thank you all for, for being here. Um, Eric, where can we? Uh, where can people get a hold of you or get in touch with you? Uh, it's difficult. I like to hide in caves a lot. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. But in, uh, I guess uh, if you want, uh, I have an email. Uh, it's eric.butlick at ttu.edu, and I understand butlick. Uh, maybe you can't spell. So uh, eric, E-R-I-C dot A dot B-E-U-T-L-I-C-H at ttu.edu. Cool. Um, Josh, where can, uh, where can folks follow you or see check your Check me out on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. Jo- I'm on MySpace, but I never check it. I actually haven't checked that in like a year or two. Yeah. yeah. Jo- Josh Clemens, that would be uh, C-L-E-M-M-O-N-S. Good job, Steve. Yep. And uh, Catherine, where can, where can people see you? Um, I'll get in touch with you. On your friends list? <laughs> on my friends list on Facebook. That's Catherine with a C. And uh, Chestnut, that's C-H-E-S-N-U-T-T. Yeah. Right? All right. And uh, y'all can get a hold of me. I'm on Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> twitter.com slash S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. Kevin, where can people get a hold of you? Same place I'm always at, twitter.com slash kevsand and elsewhere from there. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. This was Bad Philosophy. Our galaxy itself contains a hundred billion stars. It's a hundred thousand light years side to side. Check. Check. Just keep saying check, check. Check, check, check. Check in the mail. Checks in the mail. In the mail, check. Check that I'm a male. Check. <laughs> Pass me the mixed nuts. It's amazing and expanding universe.
Just do it. Go Good. Ahead. I like check, to be check, turned. Mic check. Uh, mic check. Check Mike. I don't know who Mike is, but <laughs> apparently he's getting a lot of checks. Oh, something I totally forgot to mention on the show. Um, we have a merchandise store now. The mer uh, what? Yeah, we have at print printfaction.com slash bad philosophy. You can buy BF t-shirts with this like snazzy bad philosophy logo on it. I used to be an engineer, I'm reformed now.